This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or go to www.memyselfanddie.com. All of the show's playlists, social media links, and other material can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. A question is brewing in my mind right now. A question I'm going to have to roll about momentarily. Huh. Hello and welcome back once again to Me, Myself and Die. I am as always your intrepid GM host and player. Thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you want to help support the show, if you like what you see, please do hit like and subscribe or join us on Patreon or purchase some of the products that I use in the show via the DriveThruRPG links below or buy some merchandise in our store, which is all handmade and of very high quality, if I do say so myself. But moving on, last time, the drunken ghoul barely escaped the Crimson Viper. Its crew reduced to zero, its hull reduced to zero. It is in bad shape, but it can continue on without penalties. The crew was in mid-mutiny, but only through the direst of circumstances having to come together under Captain Nicola to escape the, the ghost ship were they able to do just that. But they are still not happy with the fact that Edbert is still on board. Edbert, who is clearly possessed by some spirit. Edbert, who has some terrible reptilian beast who protects him and has killed a bunch of the crew now, especially after the mutiny. And Edbert, who clearly is in league with the sorcerer Ur-Ozvath. These sailors will very likely not want to continue with him on board. This is going to be a problem. We did successfully end the thread of Stop the Mutiny, but that does not deal with the fact that these men are still not happy. And they did turn against their captain. So we're going to have a lot to deal with today. However, before we do... Edbert is awarded 12 XP, or advancement points, rather, AP, of which he is going to spend 5 to increase his Persuade to 6. He's going to increase his Inspire to 5. I think I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave him with the 3 advancement points for possible use as luck. So here's the situation. As the ship is cutting its way through the night waves, gradually the ship kind of comes to a, a slower speed. On the deck of the Drunken Ghoul, the remaining crew, the surviving crew, has assembled and they are talking to the captain, and of course, Edbert and Wyndham, the last uh, loyal member of the crew who didn't turn against them. I think this guy here is the navigator, the new navigator that replaced Carlos, who was bent to Carlos's will when Carlos suggested that they take the ship. Carlos is no more. He has been knocked overboard and his fate is uncertain, although he's probably dead. Nonetheless, now that the ship is in safe waters, now that they've escaped the ghost ship, now that they have put some distance between them and the enemy, they have this moment now to confront Captain Nicola. There's an uproar amongst the men as, remember, these are still mutinous, angry men. And I think the gist of it is basically this new navigator looks up to Nicola and says, Captain, long have we served under you, and we have much respect for you and your leadership. But I'm afraid it has come to this. We will no longer serve on a ship as long as that man, and of course he points to Edward, is a member of this crew. Now I know that he is your friend, 
and I know that you have said that he has been a valuable member of this crew, and that may have been true. But the fact is, that man is bad luck. That man is the reason why we was attacked by a Kraken. That man is the reason why this order of the Purified Flame is after us even now. That man is haunted, possessed. That man's creature has been responsible for the death of some of our friends. And I think the man sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicola tries to calm them down. Lads, lads, I understand your concerns. Listen to me. We are hours away, hours away from the dead man's reef. Hours away from that which we have pursued all this time. Edbert has agreed to help us get our hands on the soul cage. And frankly, without his help, I'm not entirely certain that we're able to do it. So, you must bear with us just for a few more days. Just until we can get our hands on this soul cage and become the most powerful ship in these waters. That is what you all want, isn't it? Isn't that why you all agreed to come with me and serve under me in the first place? There's sort of a mumbling among the men, like, yeah, no, that is true, that is true. Here's the thing. These men are absolutely bent against Edbert. I mean, they have every reason to be, obviously. They're a superstitious lot, they're sailors, and I don't think any fancy words or speeches are going to prevent them from insisting that Edbert be put off the ship. So here's the thing. Does he get through to them? Does he convince them to hold out just another day or two until they can achieve their goal? They're so close right now. I think because of everything that has happened, I think it's impossible. I think it is impossible that he gets through to them. Now we are KS Factor 7, which means there's a 15% chance of a yes. 15% chance. No, unfortunately the answer is no. I'm sorry sir, but as long as this man is on board, not only our lives, but our very souls are in jeopardy. No sir, we will not go with you. And since it seems obvious now, that we will not be able to force you and your friend to leave this ship, you leave us with no alternative. We will take the last of the boats and depart. Lads, you're making a big mistake here. I'm sorry, sir. If you will not leave this ship to us, then we will leave this ship. Boys, get the boats ready. So they begin to prepare the lifeboats, what few are left, in order to take their very dwindling number of sailors off of the ship and presumably make their own way. Nicola turns to Edbert. Edbert, we cannot allow them to leave the ship like this. How are we to sail this vessel with no crew? I need them. Without them, we're dead in the water. Well, I don't know if there's anything I can do, Captain. You heard them. They're not going to do anything as long as I'm on board. All right, listen, men. I know you don't trust us right now. And I can't say as I blame you for that. But I promise you this. If you stay here, with us and crew this ship to Dead Man's Reef and help us get our hands on the soul cage, then I swear to you, once that is done, I will turn this ship's captaincy over to any man that you choose. I will take my leave of the drunken ghoul and you can be its new master. You're saying you would give up the ship or to pursue this magical treasure of yours? Aye, lads. I didn't want it to come to this. I wanted all of us to share in its bounty. But 
as you now seem hell-bent on leaving. Well, I can't sail this ship myself, not without you. And if it takes me relinquishing my captaincy to get you to stay a few more days, then that, that is what I'll do. Well, that is a pretty huge offer. He's basically offering to turn the whole ship over to them if they stay. Hmm, I think that might warrant another roll. I mean, that's huge. That's a huge, huge, huge thing. It wasn't an extreme no, so it's not like they're totally bent on going. Okay, so here, here's the thing. He, he just sweetened the deal. And in fact, I think as he does this, Edward kind of looks at him. Are you certain you want to do that, Captain? The ghoul is everything you've got. There's no guarantee that we get this soul cage. And if we do... We don't know the repercussions of it. Without these men to sail the ship, Edbert, there will be no soul cage. Not for us. We need them. So here's the thing, Chaos Factor 7. I will bump the likelihood up one. From impossible to no way. Which means, Chaos Factor 7, there's now a 35% chance that they change their mind. If it had been an extreme no, this wouldn't even be a possibility. But he is just offered the ship. That's huge. Does he change their minds? Oh no. The answer is again a no. The men confer with each other briefly and then finally the new navigator looks up. I'm sorry Captain Nicola. Our minds are made up. We've made our decision. We're taking our leave of this ship. Good luck to you sir. May you somehow find a way to sail it without a crew. Stunned. Nicola and Edbert watch the crew get into the lifeboats. Like, there's probably one or two remaining lifeboats. Haul them over the side and take their leave of the drunken ghoul. Well, this is bad. As the rowboats row off into the night, the captain is stunned. He, he watches them go helplessly. Nicola, I'm sorry. If it wasn't for me, you'd still have your crew right now. Ah, that's true, Edbert. But if you hadn't come along, I never would have got this close. So close. Hours away. Hours away. And with no crew to sail this ship, we're dead in the water. Well, maybe not, Captain. They're still the sorcerer. Urosvath? You mean the one that caused the Kraken to wreck? This ship would kill off my crew? Edbert, you'd be best to give up on that, sorcerer. He's nothing but trouble. He saved us from the Crimson Viper. He saved us from this mutiny. If it wasn't for that sorcerer, those mutineers might have succeeded. Edbert, I've seen what happens when you talk to Urozvath. You collapse on the ground, foaming at the mouth. It's not safe for you to continue having your conversations with him I say you cut him loose and if I do that how exactly are we supposed to get to Dead Man's Reef I don't know Edbert but there's got to be another way I gave my word to Rosvat that I'd try and free him I'm not going to break my word to him now I don't like it Edbert I don't like it one bit remember there's a threat that Captain Nicola wants to convince Edbert to you know, basically betray Rosvat and I think Edbert kind of goes to the after the ship Sherilyn following along, of course. And he calls out in his mind once again to Urazvath. Urazvath, I know you can hear me. We need help. We need you to get us and this ship to Dead Man's Reef. Here's the thing. 
Uraz Vath may be stretched to his limits. He's already caused this Kraken to appear, and he's already used his power to summon and dismiss the Kraken. So I think there's a very small chance that Uraz Vath is actually able to help. I think he's tapped out for the moment. I think he's basically exhausted his, his powers for the moment. Because remember, the Kraken didn't want to leave. Right? It had its own will, so Uazvath had to exert some sort of magical influence on it. Is he tapped out? This is this is very likely. This is a 95% chance of a yes. Uh, yeah, well, barely, but yeah, the answer is yes. Edbert hears Uazvath in his mind. I am sorry, Edbert. Despite your current predicament, I am unable to help you in this. My powers are drained. I must rest. Only in time will I be able to communicate with you again. Good luck, Edbert. I'm sure you will find a way. Edbert kind of collapses on the ground again, collapses to his knees, foaming at the mouth. Captain Nicola comes up to him. Ugh, I told you, Edbert. This is dangerous, talking to that sorcerer. Edbert sort of comes to and wipes away the, the, the froth from his lips. He's unable to help us. We are truly on our own now. The night passes. The ship continues to move. The captain at the wheel guides the ship as he can, but without a crew to man this vessel, they will eventually be dead in the water. And even now, I think the ship's knots, in, in terms of speed, get less and less and less. Edbert says to the captain, There might be another way out of this situation. What's that, Edbert? You got to call on your ghost friend here, wherever she is, to fill the sails with spectral wind, eh? Oh, I don't think Sherilyn's going to be much help getting us closer to the artifact that can banish her. But there is another who might be willing to help us. Edward moves to the middle of the deck, looks out at the water. He raises his arms to the black waves out in front of him. And he calls out, Devana, if you can hear me, I beseech your help. I have need. I'm willing to bargain. The captain sees us, races towards Edbert. No, Edbert, not a sea, bitch. Have you gone mad? There is no other way, Captain. If we don't get this ship underway, your quest and mine for the soul cage is lost. So, he calls out. <laughs> to Devona. Devona, who was always listening, but does she respond to Edbert's call? Edbert is a tasty morsel to Devona. She has helped him in the past, in exchange for his memories. If she appears again in whatever form or avatar she may appear, will she make a bargain, a pact with Edbert again? I'm going to say it's somewhat likely. Chaos Factor 7 gives us an 85% chance of a yes result. 33 is a yes and a random event. Devona will manifest and Devona will appear in some form. But before she does, <laughs> what is the random event? What is the event focus? 26. NPC action. Who is the NPC? 5. Nicola. Okay, what is Nicola's action? 84. Care. 22. 
Care of Energy. Well, Devona is going to appear. She is quite an energy. Care of Energy. Oh, I think I know what this means. There is a churning of the waves, and the waves um, off the, the starboard bow begin to coalesce into uh, what looks to be like a rising pillar of water, except that pillar turns into a vaguely humanoid shape, sort of rising up out of the waves. A voice speaks, and the voice echoes from this humanoid water shape so that everybody on board hears it, including, obviously, Nicola. Ah, Edbert. My favorite plaything. It seems you have found yourself in a bit of a predicament. I wouldn't call upon you, Devona, if it wasn't of the utmost urgency. We are becalmed here. We are a ship without a crew. We need to get to the Dead Man's Reef so that I can procure the soul cage to do what I came down here to do in the first place. We need you to help us. And why exactly would I do that? Well, you said it yourself, I am your favorite plaything after all. <laughs> if you wish to strike a bargain with me, Edward, you will have to offer something in exchange for the gift that I can give you. Something tells me that you've already got some in mind. Yes, as a matter of fact, I do. What is it, the Devona? will require of Edbert. Remember, we have this random event. Care of energy. That's coming up. What is it that she wants of Edbert? 95. Punish? Zero eight. Enemies. <laughs> As you are aware, Edbert, I have many enemies in this world. Those who would seek to thwart my objectives. Those who serve gods that are antithetical to my desires. When the time comes, I will call upon you, Edbert, and I will use you as the instrument of my wrath upon those enemies. That is the price I exact from you, Edbert. I will help you and this little ship of yours, but you will become my agent of vengeance when I choose the time and place. Nicola steps up. Random event, care of energy. Devona, I am Edo Nicola, captain of the drunken ghoul. You would make a bargain with my friend Edbert. You would ask him to be the spear of your vengeance when the time comes. I have a counter proposal. Edbert is not of these waters. He does not reside here. This is not his home. All he seeks is to banish this ghost and return to his home in the north. But I, I am of these islands and these waters, and I would be more well suited to do your bidding. Nicola, no, what are you saying? He puts up his hand as if to wave off Edbert, Edbert's objections. If you carry this ship to its destination safely, then I will act as the tool of your future vengeance. Your weapon against your enemies, whoever they may be. This I swear to you. I and this vessel will become your devout servants. Captain, don't do this. You don't know what you're doing here. You don't know what you're offering. Does Devona accept this substitution? Will she accept 
Captain Nicola in Edbert's stead, basically freeing Edbert from his obligations to her, but forever enthralling Captain Nicola into her service until such time as she commands him to deal with her enemies, whoever that may be. She is a fickle goddess, and she does like Edward, but she also seems to like playing with these mortals. So it's possible. I'm going to say it's 50-50. That gives us a 75% chance of a yes answer on Chaos Factor 7. Oh my goodness, 0-3 is of course an extreme yes. Your offer is accepted. You will know when the time comes, Captain. And you will make good on your side of the bargain. And the pillar collapses back into the water, disappearing from view. Captain, you don't know what you've just done. A bargain with the Storm Goddess is not something that one should enter into lightly. After what you've done for me and mine, I was not going to let you become the slave of a goddess. No. This is a bargain that I accept willingly. Let us see what this Devona can do for us now. There is the sensation of movement as they realize that the ship is lurching forward through the night seas. There is no wind, the sails still hang loose in their stays. The ship nonetheless is churning forward with great speed. And as they look over the side, they can see that, yes, the ship must be propelled by something underneath, some unseen force, but it is moving with all haste in the direction of the dead man's reef. And as the night passes, the ship moves perhaps even faster than it would under full sail. Devona seems to be making good on her promise. What will this mean for the future of the captain? Time will tell. But this will bring us to the end of this scene. Any new characters? No. But there is a new thread, the pact with Devona. Captain Nicola has stepped in for Edbert, and Captain Nicola must now answer her call to punish her enemies. I think the chaos factor actually goes down at this point. In the morning, the ship being propelled across the waves as the dawn begins to appear over the eastern horizon. Up ahead is the dead man's reef. Devona was good for her word. The chaos factor is six. Let us see. Is the scene interrupted or altered? It is not. So we move on with the scene as it unfolds. I have a question as this ship <laughs> makes its way crewless up towards this little spit of rock, which is basically what it is, like a tiny, sorry, barely qualifies as an island. It's a reef, right? There's like maybe a few trees on a spit of land, a sand spit kind of thing. But is there a ship? Did the Inquisitor's Leap arrive before them? They had the coordinates. We know that they were trying to get here first to head Edbert off at the pass. Well, I think here on Chaos Factor 6 that that is actually because of the delays that they suffered. I think that is likely, and the answer is yes! So, as the morning light breaks over the eastern horizon, as they move towards the reef there, they see on the far side of the reef, anchored off the reef itself is the large black galleon known as the Inquisitor's Leap. This is very bad news. So, Edbert sees this, and he calls back to Nicola, who of course himself has also seen the ship. They are not in control of the ship. 
Devona is. So the ship is moving towards the reef. Now she's not going to jam the, the ship up on the reef or anything like that. After all, this ship is now basically her property. So uh, she does get it very, very close. There are no boats left on the ship. So the only way off the ship is doing some swimming. So here's my question. We know that Octavius wants Edbert dead. We know that Vale wants Edbert alive because she believes that he is the only way, through the soul cage, to bring Sherilyn back. That is her goal. If he dies, Sherilyn may just go away forever and she wants her back. But Octavius has put his foot down. He said, no, Edward must die. Frag the dwarf hasn't said anything because he's mute. So we don't know what his position is. But here's the thing. Are they on board the ship or did they take a boat to the reef itself? Are they on the spit of land under a couple of palm trees basically waiting? for Edbert to show. Chaos Factor 6 now. Oh, okay, that's a yes. Tactically, it would make more sense them, for them to fire upon the ship, but maybe maybe Vale convinced Octavius not to do that. Something, there's obviously a reason for that, but they are on the spit of land now. So here's the thing, I think Nicola takes his spyglass and he sees that the crew is moving on the deck of the Inquisitor's Leap, but they are not moving to fire. Clearly, they've been given orders not to fire upon an approaching ship. Although their cannons are bristling in the open gun ports that Nicola can see, and they are still within long range, so if, if the Leap wanted to, they could fire at them now, but they don't. There is no ring of cannon fire or report of cannon fire, nothing like that. They do not come under attack. And as Nicola looks on the deck, he also does not see any evidence of the Order members. And I think Edward takes the, the spyglass and, and looks as well. Well, if they're not on board that ship, then they must be out there on that reef. They must be waiting for us. Ah, but without any ship's boats, how are we supposed to get to that reef? Swim for it. I suppose that's the only thing left to us, Captain. I think Wyndham and the, the Guardian can obviously swim, so the Guardian is there with them. Before they leave, though, before they jump over to swim their way to the reef, there's the issue of Sherilyn. Sherilyn is now in close proximity to her order. She would know that they're close. She would also know that they're very close to the Soul Cage right now. Does she take action against Edward at this point, or does she let him go towards the members of her order, assuming that they're going to take care of him? Yeah, I actually think that's that's more likely. Because again, she doesn't want him to die. She wants him to stand trial. She wants to deliver him into the hands of the Order. And she knows that they're there waiting for him. So she's not going to prevent him from going. I'm not even going to roll. That just makes perfect sense. She wants him to go in, into the loving embrace of the Order. So that's what happens. They jump overboard and begin to swim their way towards the reef. So as they swim from the ship and emerge onto the sand spit of this reef, Edward turns to the Guardian and says, have a swim around and see if you see anything. So the Guardian is going to disappear into the waves and uh, basically doing a little scouting mission to see if he can find anything. So here's the thing. Is the Order, are they here to ambush him or are they just waiting for him to show up? They know he has to show up here. I think that Octavius is the type. He's extremely confident in his abilities. I don't think necessarily that Octavius would be hiding from Edward. I think he'd be waiting in the open. 50-50. Uh, yes, they are just waiting out of the open. So in that case, in the trees, standing, waiting patiently for them are Octavius, Vale, and Thrag. And I think as well, there are a couple of sailors from the Inquisitor's Leap they splash up on 
this little spit of sand. Rock. So as they emerge, Octavius kind of steps forward. Veil, just behind him. And Octavius calls across this little waterway here. This is very shallow waterway. You could, you know, quickly kind of swim across it. You must be Edbert. Welcome to Dead Man's Reef. I think you're going to find it is aptly named. Edbert pours the seawater out of his boots, puts them back on, looks over at him. Octavius, I presume. We've heard a lot about you as I've been staying one step ahead of you. I've got to say, you're a lot uglier than what I was led to believe. Octavius takes a step forward, menacingly. I didn't come to banter with a dead man. Now why don't you swim on over to this part of the island, where we can get a closer look at you. Nah, I'm good, thanks. I think I'll stay right here for the moment. The, the Order, now, they, they can really start to sense Sherilyn's presence. In fact, I think they can even see her a little bit, because their whole thing is about hunting undead. She is undead. I think they see her, and when that happens, Vale steps forward and kind of stumbles for a second as she lays eyes upon her old friend who's been dead for a long, long time, and now she sees her in her full spectral form, kind of flitting about Edbert, and I think Sherilyn as well takes them in, but, you know, she's a ghost. She's not exactly uh, a rational being. And Vale says, under her breath to Octavius, She's there. She's there. We can save her. Octavius kind of looks over his shoulder at her. I told you, we're not here for that now. There's no bringing her back. Look at her, Vale. She's a ghost. She needs to be put down. It's what we do. He steps forward into the water, taking a few steps. Here's how this is going to work. You're going to swim over here, and you and I are going to settle this one-on-one -on -one in the sight of whatever gods may be watching. I try by combat. He looks past Octavius at Vale. Funny, I never thought that's what you meant when you talked about putting me on trial, Vale. Vale knows that Octavius is bent on killing Edward, but she can see Sherilyn there in agony, in, the, in, the, in the, the torturous existence of the undead. Somewhere around them is the way to restore Sherilyn, so Vale believes. A question is brewing in my mind right now. A question I'm going to have to roll about momentarily. Octavius draws his sword and dagger. What are you waiting for, Edbert? This is as good a trial as you're ever going to get. And why should I take the word of a man like you, Octavius? What's to stop your friends there from killing me as soon as I get close? Unlike you, we don't kill in cold blood. Vale comes even closer to Octavius and again implores him. Octavius, can you not see her in front of you? What I see is an undead spirit that needs to be banished. She steps back. Sherilyn, for her part, for once, is quiet deathly quiet. She is no longer screaming. She is no longer hounding Edbert. She has arrived at a supernatural calm as she sits beside Edbert, staring across the waters and then turning her spectral gaze upon him with infinite seeming patience, knowing that he is about to meet the destiny that she has wanted all this time, that he is about to face his accusers even though it's not the trial that Vale promised he would get. But she merely looks at him and gestures with her robe across the water towards Octavius. Nicola comes up to Edward. 
You can't go across there alone, Edbert. You can't trust them. Listen, Captain. We've come this far. I'm not afraid of a man like Octavius. I was promised a trial. If this is the trial that I'm going to get, well, then so be it. I'm ready for it. And he begins to make his way across the water, swimming, because it's, you know, deep enough you have to kind of swim. Octavius claims to be a man of honor. Is he? Or is he the type that is going to take advantage of Edbert as he emerges from the water, still kind of half submerged? Is he going to take this sucker punch, basically? Is he going to stab at Edbert before Edbert can possibly defend himself? Is he that bent on killing Edbert that he's going to forego the fairness of this trial? I think it's unlikely he does that. <gasps> 16 on 50 is a yes! So, Edbert moves out of the water and without waiting, Octavius brings his longsword down to strike at Edbert before he can, as I said, before he can even get to his feet and pull his weapons to defend himself. As Edbert sees this blade coming down, he tries to dodge out of the way. What's the strike coming in? We're not going to do any timing right now. Edward's taken totally by surprise. But what is the strike coming in? I'm going to say that Octavius is just as good as Edward here. So this strike is coming in at 12. And ooh, it, it's, it's, a, it's the best possible hit that he can do. Here's the thing. Edward will get one chance to dodge out of the way. He's going to hit bad by this. His dodge is at four. Oh no, he's utterly unable to to dodge because it's a 12 he completely fails he's taken totally by su surprise by this honorless dog Octavius who stabs down at him and does 11 possible points of damage to Edbert unless Edbert can make his withstand injury of eight or less and he will do five which is very good but 11 minus five is still six he's going to take six damage from that which puts him down to one that is a brutal hit as Edward cries out in pain as Octavius's blade drives into his left shoulder as he's struggling to his feet. This is foully done. Foully done. And I think Sherilyn, as she glides across the waters, I think she sees this as well. And there's just a moment of shock on her face that her student, her protege, Octavius, would stoop to such honorless tricks and I think Vale sees that look on the ghostly face of Sherlin, because remember, the Order can see her just as well as Edward can, and I think in that moment, it is possible that Vale, with all of this that has happened, I have a question that I will now ask. That question is going to be 50-50. This is the question, but it pertains to Vale. On Chaos Factor 6, this gives us a 65% chance of a yes. 12. The answer is an extreme yes. Okay. Sherilyn cries out for all to hear. And in fact, I think these sailors hear that and immediately go cowering away <laughs> as far as they can. But more importantly, over here, Sherilyn so taken aback by this, this travesty of the trial that she has waited so long for Edward to take is doubly surprised when Vale, who sees Octavius pull this trick, who sees that Octavius is unwilling to even give a chance of Sherilyn's rebirth, of revival, of reincarnation, whatever it's gonna be, Vale, in that moment, 
gives a quick look to Thrag, the dwarf, who looks back at her and he just gives a grim nod. And she steals her jaw and raises her crossbow and fires it with an extreme yes, yes, with extreme yes, and fires a bolt into the back of Octavius. Ah, he cries out with pain. He collapses to his knees, the blood pumping from the wound. He he grabs at the bolt. He, he kind of pulls it out. Ah, the black ichor of the poison, because of course Vale is an assassin, and it's, it stands to reason that there would be poison on that bolt, beginning to course through his veins. He ah, he turns around and he looks at her. He, his, his, his face registers more, more shock than anything. Just absolute shock that he would be betrayed like this in the last moment, and he, he coughs up blood and falls, collapsing on his face into the sand, dead. Edbert blood pumping from his wound, stands up, he's got his sword out, he's looking at this. At this point, Nicola and Windham are immediately beginning to make their way across the water, and the, the Guardian splashes up there as well, come racing towards the group as well, sensing that his master is in danger. Thrag turns to face the Guardian, but Edbert calls out, No! Don't! Wait! Wait! Just wait! The Guardian rears up, kind of hissing at Thrag. Thrag's got his axe out. He's kind of, you know, very carefully gauging this new opponent that's appeared out of nowhere. Edbert turns to Vale, grasping his wounded shoulder. He's just staring at her, just incredulously. He can't believe this just happened. Extreme yes on that roll. She looks at him and very calmly lowers her crossbow and says, Now, let us find this soul cage and put Sherilyn's spirit to rest one way or another. And that is where we will end this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Please do hit like and subscribe. And if you want to help to support the show on Patreon or help us through the uh, purchasing products with the drive-thru RPG links below or buying merchandise from our store, all of those links are available in the description below. Thank you so much for joining me. And we will see you next time on what I'm guessing is the finale of season three of Me, Myself, and I. But the dice... The dice will always surprise, as they have here again. Thank you so much for joining me. We will see you next time on Me, Myself, and Die.